Today in TFC Stock Kicker, we're going to explore a company that honestly does not need me to introduce, yeah? Okay, Apple, okay, Apple. We have decided to talk about this company because we believe that understanding the giants gives you a clearer idea of how to understand these other businesses that are trying to swim alongside or challenge the giant, okay? Apple is an engineering and design leader. They can sell everything at a premium, yeah? <laughs> Unlike <laughs> their competitors. But do not underestimate the supply chain processes needed to run such a big operation. In recent years, Apple has also made a big push towards services and they don't just sell premium hardware anymore. But what is the kind of growth potential going into the future? For all that and more, stay tuned. So joining me today to kick out on Apple is our in-house stock and tech geek Thomas Steele. And well, honestly, we... Don't really have a bad case. <laughs> or some like big hidden secret for Apple. We dive deeper into understanding engineering processes, discussing their recent wave of monopoly legal disputes, broke down their financials and gave our thoughts on how Apple is allocating capital alongside its investments and debt. Honestly, Apple is quite a miracle. So let's take today as a learning lesson for one of the best in class company. Okay, I honestly think if I say Apple is one of the best in class, nobody will doubt me. Lah. Nobody will flame me for saying that Apple is one of the best in class in terms of how they run it, how they innovate, how they price themselves, how they create this whole walk garden strategy to keep their consumers within it. So it's uh, pretty crazy. But all that being said, this company is already in the trillion, like the T. Yeah? So for them to double or triple in share price, it's uh, probably pretty hard. Okay, At least not in the next few years. Okay, So do expect that there will be growth in the company, but probably not massive enough to reflect in the share price and for that to then reflect in your portfolio, okay? But it's still good to learn about Apple. Take this as the mecca of what is a good company and then use this as a basis to then study every other company, especially the ones in the tech space. For your reference sake, this episode was recorded on the 26th of June 2021 and released early to our community members. Our discussion today is solely for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not serve as any form of advice or recommendations. Thank you for loving what we do and empowering us financially to do more for you. Let's geek out. Okay, so Thomas, we back again today and I know we've been talking about like a lot of different companies uh, in the tech space, you know, but there's this one giant that we cannot miss lah, because <laughs> we, we decided to talk a little bit more about the giants to take reference from them to then look at other companies, right? So what is this first mm. giant that we're going to talk about? It's the biggest uh, company with the largest Wait, are they the cash. biggest? Are they, are they the biggest by my, my market cap? No, no, by biggest by cash. Uh, by yeah. cash, okay. okay. <laughs> every every <laughs> company will say that they're biggest in some way, lah. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but yeah. but this company is is basically Apple, right? So mm. tons and tons of cash, uh, huge margins, um, huge business model, um, a lot to talk about, a lot to learn from. Mm. Mm. It was quite a period of time amongst the investor community. I think even the institutional investors, not just the retail, you know, online discussion that Apple has so much cash sitting around, they're not doing anything, right? So cash sitting around, mm. not doing anything, I think to a lot of people, it's not the smartest way to manage money, lah. Not, not the smartest way to manage your capital, right? So... Yeah, yeah we can what, talk what more you, about that. Like, what are they actually doing with the money, right? So, I mean, there's a couple of interviews that's already done. Um, people talk about stock buybacks, people talk about dividends... Um, Apple actually does give both and recently they've been ramping up the stock buybacks. 
Um, so that's one. You're returning uh, some form of capital in some sense in the, in the form of either price appreciation or stability. Uh, but also reducing the number of shares, uh, which is always good when you don't really have anything else to do with your cash. But that's not true either because they are doing something with cash, right? A lot of it is being plowed back to R&D. Uh, we should go into the business model later. Um, a lot of it is also going into um, more of like the stuff that you don't really see, right? Uh, like Apple, you just see, say the iPhone, you see the Mac, oh yeah, latest version comes out. But you don't see all the intricacies behind that, right? The supply chain, well, where the raw materials actually come from, uh, some of the contracts which you're negotiating. Yeah, these things aren't, aren't really um, obvious, yeah, mm. but things are actually going on. It's just that, well, there's only so much that you can spend on that and they are really generating that much cash, right? Mm. So mm. you spend as much as you want already, right? That's, that's what they have leave, left with. Uh. You just have a very fat piggy bank uh, and that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And f- I mean, for a very long time, Apple hasn't come up with some sort of revolutionary product. Like for a period of time, the Macintosh, mm. they killed it and then they came out with the Mac OS and then subsequent chain of all these other mm. stuff. And then there was a whole, I remember when we were younger, there was a like iPod Nano, you know, for all you young people out there today, you know, we're a bit ancient, right? but the iPod Nano was a thing at that point in time. Right? A thousand mm. songs in your pocket. I still remember the tagline. <laughs> and mm. and they killed that also, right? To, to then come up with all the everything that came after and then eventually fading out the whole audio only kind of hardware chain to go mm. into phones and all that, right? So back then, I think you see a lot more of Apple killing its own products totally and then starting like a whole new thing. I think that's the kind of um, R&D that, or that's kind of kind of product breakthrough that people are looking for, you know, from Apple and people are not seeing that. What, what do you take of that? I know they're innovating on other stuff, you know, but there's no like new mm. product line per se. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, if you look in terms of, say, the product novelty, right, it's like mm, nothing much. Like, it kind of looks the same. It's very shiny. People still look at it as a premium brand, but they aren't really yeah, like, color, uh, thinking out of the box. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But actually, that's okay because um, when Apple was introducing, say, the iPod na- Nano or the first version of the iPhones, it was revolutionary because of the time. Nothing like that existed, right? And the pace of technology also isn't as fast. And that was revolutionary because no one else bothered to do it. So at that point in time, it's like right place, right time, right marketing. It's that kind of combination. Lah. Now, uh, I think the competition is much more intense. Um, I think the focus, if you're as an investor, you just want to see whether they are operating fine, uh, which they are. Um, for the product innovation sense, uh, maybe coming more from the consumer standpoint, it's like, oh yeah, nothing new, nothing excited to be looking forward to. Mm. Come on lah, yeah. It's still good actually, right? If you're looking for more <laughs> um, innovative kind of products, right? Um, it's definitely not something that you should always look forward to every year in the like Apple WWDC. It'll be more technical than most because that's where most of the R&D is going. Right, so you heard of your M1 silicon chip. You've heard of, uh, say, like they are separating the the like AirPods further, right? Instead of like uh, using Beats last time, then now they have their own, and then sooner or later they're going to go into very heavily on wearables. But it's things that we have seen before. It's nothing exactly new. So this hardware that people are used to, right? It's basically already existing because everyone else uses them. Whereas in the iPhone or an iPod number, nothing like that existed before. What was the yeah. alternative to listen to music last time? You have, say, like... Walkman. CD-ROM. Walkman. Walkman. <laughs> yeah. So I remember last time I see people carry a bag just mm. for the Walkman anyway, just saying, yeah, so, wow, them, 
Okay, I'm not boomer you yet, you, gotta, but, you know, you know. You, you, you gotta bring a you gotta bring a stack of CDs. Right? Exactly. And then after you so like put in one by one, and then you want to listen to your track or so you cannot save and that kind of stuff. <laughs> so, oh my the, god, so nostalgic. <laughs> but anyway, yes, yes. Right. So so we have gone a long way. Uh, but also because when you compare how people were doing things back then, say like the person's journey, like, okay, in product management, we call it, say, the user story or the user journey. So how they actually listen to music is a few uh, sequence of steps. And it's revolutionary because now you're offering a different kind of experience to the users. Basically, you don't need to have your CD-ROM anymore. You have it on one very small portable device. And that's all that you need. So that's why it's revolutionary. But now it's become so convenient and it's so prevalent that any other innovation is going to be quite incremental, like. So not really that they don't do any R&D. There's only so much, right? It's a certain timing and then you can only do this revolutionary thing. Same thing for Tesla, right? Do you see anything else that's revolutionary about Tesla now? Not much, right? Incremental improvement. So same thing. They've, they've gone past, they're in the maturity stage. Maybe you give it another five years, they might have something revolutionary. Yeah, really like self-driving taxis, right? Mm. Or like satellites that can give you internet wherever you are. I think, I think that might even come earlier. So mm. these are the things that we can look forward to, lah. Yeah, but in terms of like consumer devices, yeah, how, how much faster can you get? Do you want music to play directly into your ear? Like you have a device. Microchip, a chip, microchip um, yourself. Yeah, an Apple chip <laughs> inside your, your, your body. That, that, that's, mm. the, that's the like most significant thing that could happen. Yeah. Okay, fair, fair. So I think we, maybe as investors, we really got to give it a little slack. Huh? Cannot, cannot every day expect someone to have some whole new product line. And yeah, truth be told, there's a limited new consumer hardware um, out mm. there. You know, I mean, the latest ones probably were looking at wearables or like AR, VR kind of tech, mm. you know, but that's that's about it. And yeah, man, I would say Apple is already in a lot, in fact, most of them, you know, um, mm. but it's it's no like, you know, new breakthrough, lah, right? But that's all it is. Okay? So as a consumer, you can hate on Apple, but as an investor, you must have an investor mindset when you're looking at Apple. It's a very different way of looking at things. But recently, I think one of the main talking points that we had to put out, right, it's the, the app wars, right? The app store wars mm. between Apple and Google and then all the other people that, you know, are trying to like sue them and all to say that they are a monopoly. Do you have some thoughts on that? It depends on what kind of angle that you're looking at. So Apple has this walk garden concept. Walk garden meaning that uh, imagine right, you're entering a maze, right? But you can't get out, right? You're inside this nice cooped up enclosure, but I know it's Apple a garden. Is. It's a garden because you actually don't mind staying inside. It's pretty nice. It's no longer mm. a maze. And wherever you go inside that garden, right? No matter what, you hit some kind of Apple service where you have to pay something or you have to view their ads. So... In that sense, right, what is it actually monopolizing? Because they created a walk garden, right? The users are there on their own, um, I would say, volition, right? They just go there because they want to. It's a monopoly if users don't have a choice. So you might think like, okay, right, they go into the walk garden, they don't have a choice because they're stuck inside the ecosystem, right? But they're also reliant on the rest of the Apple ecosystem because it does belong to Apple, right? Mm. So what is truly um, a monopoly? Right, it's when you actually control uh, everything. But mm. do they? Firstly, they give the developers a choice to put it on the App Store, to actually agree to um, pay for the commissions and all that kind of stuff, right? But they also agree that they will provide paying customers. And the mm. customers are not, they are not complaining, right? Mm. It's only a few of the developers that are actually complaining. They are taking a very high cut as compared to the rest of the competitors, uh, say like 
Microsoft's App Store, Google's uh, Play Store, and so on. But those are very different platforms. They belong to other companies, right? Apple is not concerned about that. It's just concerned about its own ecosystem. So you want to um, build something for the App Store, right? I don't care whether you're building it for Google Play, right? You're in my App Store, you play by my rules. You don't want then so be it. Lah. Yeah. Mm. How's that monopolistic? You could always go to someone else. What? It's just that we have a very compelling product. We have a very compelling product and everything else is your choice. Lah. Yeah. So if you don't want to do that, you can just go to Google Play. It's fine as well. Yeah. Maybe the standards are not as, as stringent. They will charge you less, which they are now. Uh, even Amazon reduced their App Store fees. So you can go ahead. Lah, right? But the quality also drops. Right? So if you want to look at the metrics, uh, compare which one has the highest user retention, which one has the highest number of uh, eyeballs, which one has the number of um, people being more engaged in the app, like number of reopens in a day, right? All of those stats, right, leans heavily towards Apple. So mm. at the end of the day, they are actually providing a more, I would say, superior ecosystem. But for that, it comes as a cost also. Lah. So they'll just charge you based of your fees as a fee of your performance, of how well you actually do inside that question. But they do their best in their power to help you succeed in the app, right? You don't see like spammy, spammy kinds of uh, applications. Say like in Android, you have like 5,000 different uh, applications. All sorts of weird stuff on Android. (laughs) And maybe there's like malware running, right? Um, Sometimes Mm -hmm. also they ask you for permissions about your, your, um, don't know, like QR scanner, want to know about your calendar, that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... (laughs) <laughs> um, Apple make sure that a- Apple really make sure that doesn't happen and they also focus on the, the data security data privacy uh, point of view so each of the apps are, are vetted very very uh, carefully so you only get quality content and that's why the ecosystem actually works right so uh, mm-hmm. that being said right to, to kind of sum up uh, why the explanation is like this is because they are catering for really premium content premium platform for them mm-hmm. or say like uh, Epic Games right to say that there's a monopoly it's like you're trying to monopolize premium content and premium platforms. So you're trying to say that they are the best, lah, which is a good thing for Apple. Right? <laughs> you, 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 you try to bring that to court, right? It doesn't hold well. Yeah. Mm. It just means that it's a superior service. It's not because of cost. Right? It's not because of like, it's, like it's driving people um, to a, a negative outcome. The users are happy. That's what funds the whole entire ecosystem. The developers are happy. Then so be like, go, go elsewhere. Lah. Yeah, there's many other ways that you can can make the money. Yeah. Okay, fair, fair. I mean, I'm not I'm not legally trained, but I think as an investor, we all should be relatively aware about you know what is the situation like within the the whole current lawsuit process and all you know. And I think um, a lot of these big companies every day get lawsuit one uh. It's it's not just uh, one mm. or two you know. It's just uh, this one just happens to be a little bit bigger. So that's Thomas stand, and you know we'll just see how the lawsuit plays out lah. Right, but it's not unique to Apple. It's just every other big company they have a legal counsel on their team right. because every day they're just getting lawsuit like free because me make money ma, right everyone else wants to squeeze more out of you it's, it's pretty yeah uh, it's pretty normal so far I, I, I don't like it but I think it's, it's, it's just the game in town law. that's just kind of how things work mm. yeah just, just one more step to show like what, what's the, the true difference between this uh, market share uh, on the different app store platforms uh. so Epic Games and their game Fortnite right by right, uh, they are saying that Apple is taking a lot of this market share, whichever that means, and it's anti-monopolistic, it's taking too much commissions. But two-thirds of the Fortnite players are on non-Apple devices. Mm. So, 
how how does that yeah it does, it, if if let's say like they're on Samsung or they're on Google or they're playing elsewhere then yeah how come this 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 matters if they're portraying like say okay two thirds of the income comes from Apple right and then you have no choice but to pay for this game it's also a weak argument right that's the game developers model already ma yeah mm. it's a monopoly only if they are forced to do something that perhaps uh they are not very agreeable with like ethical reasons ah uh, say like um Apple starts to build the same app as they are. Right, Apple has to they has their own Fortnite, and then delist Epic Games apps, right, mm. to go and uh, promote theirs. Yeah, then that that's a that's an issue. Yeah, but what uh, Epic Games and the other anti-monopolistic uh, angles that they are coming from, right? It's on these kind of things. Yeah. Okay, fair, fair. That's a good point. Uh, and I think you know, stream probably is a much bigger gaming platform. So that's that's a whole different discussion we can have. Um, another time but yeah okay so so that's cool i think we cleared up some of the major you know things that people are talking about out there in the in the market at least within the retail investor yep. space like actually some of the institutional investors are also talking about these kind of stuff like limited r&d and app stores and all those kind of stuff so we put out our mm. point so that's good but for apple it is a um, very interesting company in itself i mean it started with doing a lot of hardware and then mm. now they're moving on to a whole different business altogether i i do think they're moving on to a whole different business you know in the in the view of how they prioritize and how they talk about their business today it's no longer just selling hardware right it's a lot more than that so you know want to run us through some of the major you know business processes their products and what is their model like so i think you can think of apple from a consumer standpoint it's mainly dealing with consumer hardware Right, mm-hmm. um, your smartphone, your tablet, your laptop, desktop, smartwatch, headphones, streaming TV box, anything, and everything. But there's other parts of it which uh, forms that ecosystem, which is uh, what makes Apple have a strong mode, which we can talk later. It's also the I would say the software or the ecosystem aspect. So you have your app store, your services like your warranty, your different kind of subscriptions um, that you can do with Apple, alongside all these different kind of hardware combinations. Uh, such as iCloud also, and another like moonshot kind of uh, angle. It doesn't make up much of the revenue, but you can see actually there's some R and D going on there. Uh, they call it Project Titan, which is the uh, a very very um quiet project about self driving cars, right? You also have the smartwatch or rather the wearables portion. Um, they're trying to go into healthcare as well. Uh, so they're really trying to be the forefront of the devices that any human being uses, lah. Yeah. Mm. They started out as like Apple computers, so there was uh with some history. Yeah, it's like nineteen seventy six, right? They've come a long way since then. So this is almost about forty ish, fifty years already, right? And um again on the R and D argument, it took them some time to build their first computer. It also took them some time to build the first iPhone. So the R and D does take time. Um, it's not something like oh every year I must have a release. The releases that they had back then for like the Macs or the iPhones and all that were a lot of, say, decades of R and D that were done in advance. And then once they release it, right, it's just incremental updates after that. Really. Yeah, but there was a lot of like upfront R and D investment that was going on. So right now you can, that you can see, say, in wearables or in like Project Titan or some other secret project that they have in their labs, right? Secret this might be the project. Same. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they have a lot of those kind of things. I believe. I believe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it might actually be that these secret projects might actually be going on right now. We don't see the fruits of that labor coming out only perhaps a few years later. Yeah, so you have to give them some slack, lah. They they are still making money from their core business, which is the hardware, all the the consumer devices and all that. 
as well as the App Store. So they are cash rich. We don't need to worry as an investor that they will go bankrupt. That is definitely not the case, right? If they want, they, they are basically a, a, a country on its own, right? It's producing so much cash. Um, <laughs> It's it's just it's just ridiculous, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I think any country would be very happy to be at Apple. <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah, they're making a lot, a lot of money. I think what I'm hearing is when we're looking at Apple's business, you really gotta kind of break down the revenue into two parts. One is the hardware consumer stuff, and then the other side is the app store and services. Right, that's all mm. that we should look at in in terms of how we envision the business. You know, because I think sometimes yep. when when Apple first start, right, people look at Apple's business as like iPhone, Mac, you know, wearables, you know, it's, it's very, mm. this is like the core of their business and that's how people look at its, its business in itself. But what you're trying to tell us is, you know, don't need to be too focused on individual products, but just kind of see the whole hardware as one business. They're selling all these things that they're selling mm. to the consumers and there are many things that they will come out as it goes along. Uh, as long as they keep having, you know, decent sales rates and all, that's good enough. And then also look at the other side of the business as the app store and the services. Is that kind of how you want to look at the business of Apple? Right, right, right. Yeah, because any company shouldn't be a product-centric company. If they live and die by product one, then it's a bit difficult to also grow it as a business, right? Mm. Um, Apple that, is that way is more how, than that. Yeah, Exactly, but that's how every company starts. La. Every company starts with like one product and then they try to dominate the market in some ways and then... You know, but you, you cannot really call them a business at that point in time because it's like just that one product. They haven't built out all the other processes. And after that, then they go into the phase of like one product, you know, business. And then they think of like, okay, how do we do more? You know, add different, different permutation and then different product lines. So it's, it's all a process, right? But I think Apple has moved way beyond just like one product. And it's exactly mm. like what you said, right? It's, it's, a, it's a much different phase of business. Yeah. Actually, I, I, I don't really uh, agree that every business starts out <laughs> with a product actually. Yeah, really? you can start with, with yeah. I mean, not the, the definition of a product and service. You you sell something, yes. But mm. every company also has some kind of unique advantage that they bring to the table. A company with a less than superior product, right, can still succeed because say their marketing or sales is very good, the execution mm. is very good also, or their leadership is good. And mm. uh, sometimes they have some like hidden advantage whereby, for some reason uh, their cost profile right is so low, and then they still have the same pricing as they have for the competitors, right? By that already, they win by, uh, uh, by, by margins, right? So that's mm -hmm. a different kind of, of game uh, that people play. So it's, a business is more like a, a combination of all the different things, right, which make up the company. Yeah, the products mm -hmm. is, yes, it's one component, it's important, yes, but it's not the only thing. Yeah. But at the end, Apple is just like way more than all of that combined, right? So, yeah, so if, yeah. in that sense of, you know, trying to understand Apple, then what are some of the major processes that we should know then if we look at the business as mm. hardware and um, services, App Store? So no matter what, uh, their main arm that's spitting out cash is still the hardware portion. So there's a lot of R&D yeah. that goes I on. I love how you use spitting out. They're really spitting out cash. <laughs> 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 See the amount of queue out there? It's still a real thing, man. Like, I, wow. Mm. At, at least before COVID, a few years ago, I was like, who still queues for this? But I'm lost. Uh. My friends that were in Apple, before any launches, right? The few days... No need to sleep. Just just do just focus on this thing and set up the whole supply chain. All the fulfillment guys are crazy. But yeah, yeah, please continue. <laughs> yeah. So because um well the R and D although it's incremental, um, it gives reasons for them to uh create new features and with the features they are able to raise prices. 
ever so slightly, right? And sometimes there's just a totally different model and then, okay, um, some abstract pricing model is a slap on top of it. Their margins just automatically improve by like 5 or 8% right, per product. And then you also get the, the part where other than new features, the existing way of how they build these products improves. So Apple does the designs, right, of all these like semicon things and then they send them to like TSMC, they manufacture and all that. The design itself, as well as the supply chain steps, is what Apple can control. And this takes also some optimization. With every optimization cycle, right, they also improve their margins. So not only are they actually able to command higher prices in the future, they're actually reducing the cost also. So your expansion, uh, your margin expansion uh, is just phenomenal. And that's what's been happening the last few years. Uh, and this is actually a core part of uh, Apple. Yeah. Another is, also, is more of the product strategy. So also in R&D, but they're trying to shift the compute and the use cases right, to smaller form factors. So say like last time, um, iPhone, and then you have your uh, people at work or they want to work from home, they use a Mac right, or um, a MacBook. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how many people are using the, the iMacs nowadays, but that has been incrementally shrinking. It's de actually deliberate. So it's going from um, to, to large size factors to smaller uh, size factors and down all the way to the wearable where um, basically if you can do as many things as you can on the watch or whichever wearable in the future, like glasses or something, right? You might not even need the iPhone so much. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's okay. So it's catering to that trend where uh, people don't want to be so... Um, how do you put it? Stuck onto one device. And you can seamlessly transition from one to the other, right? Wherever you are. Yeah. So that's part mm -hmm. of that ecosystem which uh, Apple is trying to build also. Um, something like what Spotify is trying to do, right? You you listen to music on the go and then after that, like you stop playing, but then the desktop or your uh, laptop remembers where you last left off. You can continue there. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yes. So <coughs> These days, a lot of wearables mm. got multi-sync also. Right, you mm. don't you don't just sync to one device. A lot of the audio wearables they have like multiple sync. You can sync to your watch, sync to your phone, sync to your computer, and and all that. Right. So I, I think mm. you'll see more and more of these kind of integration all, all along in the hardware space. It's, it's not unique to Apple itself. Yeah, that's that's mm. how I see it. Mm. Mm. And from a technology strategy point of view, right? They may not know when is the exact time where the compute power can reach to a certain standard for wearables or say for cameras or for, for other kinds of, of important use cases. Huh? It's like you want to fit a camera onto your watch, uh, <laughs> right? That, but that could be interesting, right? Because then you yes, don't need, yes. yeah, you don't need uh, to actually hold things up really and you can have more different kinds of apps or use cases. Huh? I'll just generalize mm. as use cases. On top cameras of that, are so and that, cheap these days. So yes, yeah, very, very mm, possible. Mm. It's just, it just when. Mm. Mm -hmm. And if that is the case, right? they will want to make sure that all their devices are interoperable, meaning that they can work with each other seamlessly. So when the technology actually comes, which is something that Apple doesn't control, yes, they do a lot of R&D, but it's to make sure that whichever comes, right, they're actually ready to just plug and play. Can you give us a little bit of clarity about like, what do you mean by when the technology comes? You know, I think for, for some of the, the listeners, they, they may not have a clearer understanding of like, what, what do you mean by when the technology comes? I kind of know what you're saying. You know, mm. but uh, could you kind of elaborate a little bit further about how does technology get developed? What is the kind of process cycle? And Apple as a brand, they cannot actually do everything. Like some of the, mm. the filmmakers, they have this visionary idea, they want to do it, but then they say things like, oh, the projector system is not good enough, you know, cannot do it in the film. Like It's like Avatar, right? Some some mm. of the things that they, are, they try to build, uh, it, it 
took them a long time before it came out, not because they didn't have this idea, but because the technology hasn't kind of kept up, right? So right. Um, when we're looking at Apple, you know, what is the kind of technology cycle that we, we should be more aware of? Sure. So I think we can split this into things that Apple can control and what they cannot control. Apple controls the design aspect, right? They send these designs over to the uh, semicon fabs, the foundries, they will go and develop these things for them and then eventually will manufacture and then to assemble. And then eventually you see the hardware that you see today, la, your iPhone, your Macs and all that. And then there's the parts which uh, Apple doesn't control, which is uh, more of the R&D on a really like macro level. Something that the profs in the university or some like mm. uh, crazy institution is doing on some secret secret project to take over the world, that kind of stuff. Um, okay, okay. So, so, so an example is like, say like materials engineering, right? Other people, other than Apple, is actually spending time and effort to actually make materials lighter or uh, make the materials more uh, sustainable so they can break down easily. So over time, right, that will eventually improve, but we don't exactly know when. But mm. Apple knows that if, let's say, these kind of materials exist, we can use it inside our parts, our supply chain, and that's very good for our margins, number one. Mm. But number two also, um, they know that they can introduce other kinds of processes right, which will help to um, improve their own processing. What do I mean by this? So I think about three or four years ago, Apple actually introduced this like trade-in program. But a trade-in program yes. with a very like big marketing slant, which says that, oh, we can actually recycle quite a lot of the components, right? Mm. And it's all automated. You know how crazy mm. that is? Yeah, so mm -hmm. you don't throw the whole device anymore. They're actually reusing their own parts into the newer bottles or they can mm -hmm. like distill things down back into the, um, like, the smallest component possible and then build it back up, right? Yes. And so they know the way to actually process their own old devices and to build them into the new ones because they are the designers. Mm -hmm. So same thing for newer technologies. Say there is a more powerful camera that can sit in a smaller space because they know the design, right? They can reserve certain slots, okay, in the future, compute power will be even more powerful. I need less space for this particular part. Let's say I don't need uh, so much for the battery, mm, yeah, okay, for example, yeah, just battery. the battery. Mm. Yeah. Uh, memory is also one of them. So they reduce the space in that, but they can allocate more space right, for this new technology that comes in that needs that amount of space. But it opens up a lot more use cases right, for them, and that's where actually more innovations can come in. There's a lot of different other combinations that come in from their existing apps or their existing hardware, their software, security, you name it. Lah, yeah. So it's, it's really just a combination game. But really understanding um, which part to actually take out, to pluck out, to put back in, that is is very, very key part of their strategy. Yeah. Um, so then when we are looking at Apple as a company, um, other than all the gap stuff, right? what are some other metrics that we should be aware of when, when looking at Apple? Product-wise, right? I think um, mm. it's important to look at the number of, of uh, say, your iPhones or Macs that's out there inside the market. You can look at that as a growth rate or the momentum that they are gathering uh, in terms of market share. Some people, they are just buying two iPhones. Like, it's actually really possible. Some have both an Android and an iOS device also, right? So you could look at it in terms of the number of hardware that's sold. You can also look at it in terms of the number of uh, iOS users. Yeah. So depending on which, which side of the, the business you're looking at, uh, the hardware portion or like the software slash ecosystem model. So the iOS uh, users, right? will be important if you're looking on the services as well as the ads portion. Yeah, so that walk garden approach, right? The iOS part is, is pretty important to go and look at. So basically, if you're iOS, you have interoperability to the rest of the devices, right? Mm -hmm. It also represents a certain market share, right? Where 
um, you know that there's almost guaranteed lock-in. Once you're inside the Apple ecosystem, right, it's very likely that you'll stay inside. And by choice. It's not because you don't have a choice. It's by choice one. Yeah. Also, it's very hard to come out, la, really, really. Because mm. it's like what you say, la, the garden inside too beautiful. Eh? I mean, this one don't need to explain. A lot of people, some, I think most people have used Apple at some point in their life these days, you know. So, yeah, it is, it is, a, it is hard to switch. The switching cost uh, is high. <laughs> I, I mean, will you say also for their services, right? It's also at a reasonable price. Right, it's not say that they are gouging people. You are actually it's okay, and the quality is also okay, lah. Yeah. Mm. So I think the uh, the advantage here with them is that if you look at them as from a hardware plus services kind of business, right? They are not reliant on solely the services as a business. So they can naturally give you a decent product or 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 good product at a cheaper price compared to other businesses that the whole business is about the app or that service. Right, so when you have these kind of dominant players, like, okay, not these kind of, this dominant player, there's only this one guy in the game <laughs> at this moment mm. in time that's really doing this. They really make upfront cash from you selling the hardware with the margin. Everything else is servicing and on top additional stuff, right? So mm. if you think about it, they don't need to pursue maximum profit from you just using their apps. You know, in fact, they can white label all the apps out there if they want to and just charge a fraction of the cost or even just free it if they need to. And then, you know, in-app charges and all that. Um, there are many ways for them to play around. So I think that's the, the special advantage. La. They do provide decent UI, decent apps mm. and all that stuff. And yellow because they don't need to make everything from the app, they, they charge you cheaper. They're perfectly okay with that. So yeah, yeah a bit scary. Yeah, it but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just so, package so, it together I mean, with one subscription. So yes, um, yes. say like Apple Apple Music, for example, mm. and then you slowly you start to find yourself uh, using less and less of Spotify. <laughs> mm, mm, yeah, yeah, we are. And Apple is not stopping. They're not giving up on this um, Apple Music, Apple Podcast kind of angle, right? So Spotify is making a lot of headlines because they're spending a lot of money um, buying a lot of big podcasting yeah. houses and all that, right? Because that is their main mm. business Then they look like they're spending a lot of money but if Apple really want to spend the same amount of money, right? Um, they It will be a whole different ball game, like, which I'm, I see more and more of them will, will be spending more money for audio content. So yeah, Mm-mm-mm. it's, it's so, all part of it. Yeah, Apple's core business is not in podcasts, right? I mean, they make mm. most of their money from hardware. So for them also, if we're spending this much and then no matter what, we'll still have almost the same number of iOS users, what, right? Their mm. primary mover is hardware first. After hardware, then you get iOS users. It's not the other way around, right? It's not mm. true podcast that I get more iOS users. Where got, like, exactly. you listen to your favorite podcaster, then you become Apple user one. No, it doesn't make sense. Exactly, yeah. exactly, <laughs> exactly. So they have a very different goal. And I think when we look at them as a business, we cannot compare independent company that just run the apps compared to Apple running its in-house branded apps. You know, it's mm. a very different uh, very different way to, to look at it. But actually, for a lot of people out there that didn't know, right, Apple is not a very big player in terms of the total hardware, you know, out there. You know, they are only mm. dominant in the premium portion. But if you really look at all the hardware being sold, right, there may be like a quarter in... Or, you know, yep. slightly less than that, right? So what, what is your take on that? I heard stories out there. Or I heard an angle where people look at it as a premiumization, growth-driven kind of factor. Like, in a sense of like, you know, uh, all these little, little uh, players out there that are charging very cheap, Xiaomi, Huawei, all these kind of guys, mm. right? They just kind of educate 
the broader public about smartphones, but as, as the public start to understand about <laughs> smartphones, as consumers start to understand, yeah. right, then they'll look for the better one. Then naturally, the upgrade, right? So it's like, all these other guys, they're building the funnel for Apple. <laughs> is, that, is that how you see it also? <laughs> <laughs> agree, agree. I, I, I think, I, think I, I agree with that. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so some stats. Like, Apple is, uh, as of May 2021, 26% of the mobile vendor market share. And then mm-hmm. uh, 27% uh, is, at, is Samsung. And then the rest is like yeah, Xiaomi at 10%, Huawei at uh, almost 9% or so. And then the rest is all the miscellaneous players. La. So yeah, building this funnel. Miscellaneous where, players. Okay. Oh, it's, it's really a lot. It's really a lot. It's really a lot. Yeah. So it varies, right? Like Japan has their own has their own mobile vendors. Uh, maybe like South Africa has their own also. Yeah. So it's, we got it's one all rate rate something here. I can't remember. Singapore also got stress. Someone try to start uh, some local. Yeah, yeah. A phone brand also rate something one rate rate bean or rate something. Can't remember la, But yeah, yeah, miscellaneous, miscellaneous, all under miscellaneous. Yeah. Uh, they are sort of giving the first experience. It's like an entry, right? It, it say like you want to pick up golf or tennis, right? But then you, you're not sure whether you want to uh, really invest into a set of golf clubs or like tennis racket oh and all God, that other sure. jazz, that kind of stuff. You right? go Decathlon. Yeah, uh, you so you buy go to Decathlon, Decathlon first. Yeah, then when you're mm. serious, you go to Callaway. Anyway, we should talk about Callaway as a business. I think they are pretty interesting. <laughs> but that's another mm. time, another time. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So you start with the entry first, you know, get a feel for it. And then you start to realize that, okay, after you get a little bit better, you have more like more advanced users of your 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 hardware or your sports stuff. Then you find and say, okay, is, is there things that can actually give me a better experience? And then you start to hear like, oh yeah, Apple's premium. And okay, okay, yeah, just try lah. Yeah. So how do you actually try this, right? There's no way to go in demo unless you go down to the retail store. Uh, so mm. the retail store is another kind of like metric to actually look at how many is actually inside a country, how many is opening, how many is closing. Uh, this has two factors, right? One is their branding but it also has to do with uh, the, this customer acquisition. It's the main contact point, right, of where you actually try an iPhone la, or a Mac, right? Uh, unless you can go and ask a friend, like, hey, I'm thinking of going and buying an Apple device. Yeah, help me to use yours. That could happen, la, yeah, but not in the Epitome most... Epitome of social uh, selling. Uh, that's even better, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for a lot of people mm. that didn't know, uh, Apple, I think, was it an LVMH chief was the one that designed the whole, you know, yeah. the whole Apple store experience. Not not the head of LVMH, but the chief of stores of LVMH Their back experience. then. Yeah, mm, she, mm, she, mm. she was the one, was it she or he? I can't remember, but but mm. they, you know, and they got the guy or the person to come in to, to do the whole design. It was amazing, right? So I think even mm-hmm. to today, I've traveled to different places and every time I see an Apple store, I still think, mm, quite well designed, uh, right? Very well mm. done, the whole experience. And it's okay, like end-to-end. Yeah. End, uh, the, the, the first experience you get with Apple, say, is that their website or their store, um, to let's say when you get a device, the support that you get, the whole customer experience, right, is very, very well thought out. Yeah. Mm. Very positive for this company. Got not, not, no bad thing about Apple to say. Huh? I mean, look at reviews. <laughs> uh, ask around, ask around, ask for complaints. Um, the only complaints um, that you get sometimes, right, is that, say, like, the, no, the third, third-party Apple care providers. So the uh, ones that you go to to service the zone are uh, queue very long la, mm. or the suddenly the device lost la, that kind of stuff, mm. right? But okay, Apple so they itself... Will integrate. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> soon they will integrate <laughs> this part of their service also. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can direct drop, you know, into whatever and, and then you can just kind of get it back. But yeah, all that jazz. So I think our base case here is Apple is 
already a very big company. They're very mature. But as a big company, they are not stopping in the sense of like, they're not stopping mm. their innovation. They're continuously spending and like what Thomas said, like they're spitting out cash with their hardware. Like, and it's amazing how they're spitting out cash with their hardware because for a lot of other people that are selling hardware, they're dying. Okay, all your HP, your Dell, you know, all of them, they all, all, all chui. You know, because um, they are essentially in a commoditized part of the market where compared, you cannot tell the difference. You buy ASOS, you buy HP, you buy Samsung, you buy LG, you know, they're all like, all, all kind of the same. You know, Samsung is trying, okay, and they tried, it's pretty successful in the premium mobile chain for a while, but, you know, they, they've not kept up since. But Apple mm. is one of the only guys that are selling hardware at a premium and it's pretty wild because if you think about it, right, the cost is the same or more or less the same. You know, from the chips and everything, you know, compared to the other guys that are selling the commodity level kind of hardware, it's pretty much the mm. same. There's some things that are a little bit different, but the interior, your memory, your RAM, your GPU, they're more or less the same. They buy from the same vendors. Okay, but then to be able to then sell it as a premium, that is quite wild, lah, right? So that the naturally mm. the margins are a lot bigger and it's spitting out cash or pretty pretty crazy. <laughs> I, I think also there's another difference between Apple and say like Samsung, Huawei and all that. So Apple focuses primarily on design. Yeah, yes. so they make sure that they get those designs right, right? Uh, and and uh, what I mentioned previously, there's a technology strategy behind those kind of designs. It's something that is long-term thinking, right? Rather than short-term, oh, we have to match up to Huawei or Huawei has to match up to Samsung and then it's just endless, endless, endless battle. So you tend to do a lot of like minor patches, minor iterations like that, right? But incrementally, right, your cost profile is actually going up, right? There's a lot of just revisions, revisions and you find out that, oh, suddenly there's this game-changing thing that Apple did. We can't do that in our current design. Oops. Yeah. Like suddenly, it's it just not, not, they're not able to support for the next two years or something. And then mm-hmm. just by doing that, right? you actually gave away your market share. It's these kind of decisions actually. Yeah. So the emphasis really matters. Mm. Pretty interesting because I've never thought about it that way. I, when, when I look at Apple, I was always been like, yeah, the iPhone looked the same for so long. Nothing really changed, you know? But now mm. that you put it out, it's like, okay, that's a pretty interesting angle, which means that actually when they're designing their stuff, a lot of longevity is, is being built into it, you know, even from the size, how it's being gripped. I know for iPhone 7, was it 6 or 7 was the was termed as the best grip for a period of time. And then, you know, they went mm. through the whole phase of like 8, 9 and X and then they tried to like make it bigger and a lot of feedback and all that. And now you mm. see the iPhone size kind of come back again. All right. So I think that is, um, in some ways, it's pretty interesting. I never thought of it that way. That, you know, actually not not needing to keep changing and new pattern and flip, flip, close, close, turn, turn, you know, it's, it's actually a, a good thing from a design perspective that actually Apple has a much longer um, design view of things. So, okay. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Never thought about it that way. Yeah, shall, shall we go into the financials of the company? I mean, definitely great financials. Like, but what are some, you know, interesting things that we should pick up from this company? Sure. Okay. So, I got the numbers from uh, up till this year, March 2021 versus what we had in 2020. Uh, also March. So, revenue-wise, right, it grew by 21%. And how much revenue is, right? $325 billion versus $267 billion. We all go and sell hardware la. We go Let's go and find a way to premiumize some hardware. But okay, anyway, <laughs> yeah. Continue, please continue. So, so primarily coming from um, iPhones actually. So that makes up fifty four percent of their revenue. Wow. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, services, which is their App Store, Apple Music, subscription apps. Uh, that makes up seventeen point seven percent. 
And then mm. the Max, so your MacBook or your iMacs and all that makes up uh, about close to 10%. And then um, it's 9.4% uh, for your wearables and home accessories. So this is your AirPods, your watch, your HomePods. And then another 8% into your iPads. So very, very heavy on the hardware. Mm, pretty interesting. And I think they're trying to do some push into iPad. I don't know why, but but yeah, mm. let's just see how it goes. Yeah, okay. Then this is as a comparison, like... Okay, the services part, right, which is 17.7%, your, your, say your subscription, uh, iCloud subscription, okay? This alone, right, makes up 15 billion in revenue. One five, mm -hmm. okay? So this is really worth like a third or more, right, than some of the listed SaaS companies' market caps. Mm -hmm. So you think about mm -hmm. it for a moment. So yeah. this is like, like your cloud backup service or your YouTube, ah. which is like 19 billion, Netflix at 25 billion, right? And there's no this alternative is, to this. There's no alternative. If you're in the Apple ecosystem, you have to use this. Yeah. All right. So it's like, wow, like free cash flow really like... like so <laughs> someone's revenue is your market cap. What the mm -hmm. heck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, pretty, pretty crazy, huh? yeah. Like yeah. Just one yeah. segment of your, of your business is churning out so much revenue compared to what, mm. what all these other guys are doing. Yeah, so so there's like a running joke where Apple could really buy out any company which they wanted to. Yeah, there is. And every year. Yeah, for crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> and there was a period of time the a lot of the more activist kind of investors were cornering Apple to spend. To to mm. buy and spend and you know do a lot of those things. I think these days it's a bit quieter because you're seeing more of Apple's um, strategy. I'm guessing for a period of time they were also deciding where to go towards. That's why they couldn't really spend on anything per se. Not okay, not couldn't. They didn't, right? Because which which in some ways is very prudent capital uh, management, which is pretty cool. Because mm. I think for a lot of listeners, if you didn't realize, right, when you run a business, uh, you get pressured by your shareholders to do things. One, it's not so easy, and right. So if you are one of the biggest company in the world, you have some of the biggest shareholders in the world which are very influential. They are mm. not like dogs, you know, they're not, they're not easy to tame and all. These guys are tigers and lions, you know. <laughs> to be able to fend off that pressure and to then kind of figure out the direction, then double down and, you know, with the M1 chip and with all these kind mm. of services and additional things that they're doing, um, I think quite respectful uh, to Tim Cook. Although some people say like, yeah, he's not as revolutionary as you know Steve Jobs and whatnot. But yeah, everybody has their own role to play um, mm. in the company. So that's that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. Other than revenue, like let's let's move on right to kind of see the other sexy parts of their of their <laughs> of their finances. So far, uh, I see I, I I don't see much problems. Uh, but yes, yes. Please let's let's run through this. <laughs> okay, so uh, operating margins it's at thirty point seven percent compared to twenty two percent, so it's a big increase uh, as well. Yeah, but cash flow cash flow was actually negative uh three billion in the mm. March twenty twenty one financials uh, as compared to the three billion the previous year. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So a lot of reinvestment. I mean, they are making tons from their their cash flow from operations. Yeah. Mm. So this is uh investment um financing. They don't do too much of it. So primarily, it's actually back into their company la. Yeah, yeah. And would would you say that the increase in operating margins was led by an increase in revenue from um, services, or was it a decrease in cost because of M one as a chip and a lot of other hardware kind of innovation that they're building in? Well, this is quite difficult to dissect. Overall, from... Well, you know what I've I mean, read, right? Because, yeah, 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 because yeah, segment yeah. percentages change this thing, yes. 
Sure, sure, sure. So a bulk of it actually comes from the, the, the iPhones. They've increased the, mm. the, the average selling prices of it. And even though there's less people that's buying per year, right, the increase in the price really makes up a lot more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. During the iPhone X era, which was only two, three years ago, they pumped up the price. And yep. you know, now everything is referenced to that price. So it's pretty crazy, right? It's like your chicken rice mm. seller suddenly sell you $10 one plate, right? Then now they sell you $5. You think like, okay, man, not expensive. Mm. But actually a few years ago, it was only $3. You know, you know that, yeah. that, that's the, that's the pretty interesting uh, way of looking. So, so your base case is that margins are better because they're selling higher. Not so much about mm. the other processes that's going on. Okay, fair. Mm. Mm-hmm. Margins still do increase because um, they, are, they are optimizing the costs and all that kind of stuff. But primarily, it's, it's, it's a very revenue-driven kind of company. Yeah. Other than just the iPhones, right, there's also the other add-ons or the accessories. So now your chicken rice, right? The chicken rice uncle will also sell you the cucumber. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, does, it, doesn't, it doesn't come with the, the rice anymore. Yeah. No more free cucumber. <laughs> yeah. So, so things like your 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 iPhone AirPods, lor, right? No more headphones that come together with the phone anymore. Suddenly, your packaging is also smaller. But, Charger also uh, don't have what Charger also don't have. Yeah. Maybe next time, also no more cable, right? Because they want to go into wireless charging. Then the cable also, they charge you. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this this chicken rice uncle uh, not nice, not friendly. But a, if you oh, if you are an investor of the chicken rice uncle, you'll be quite happy. La. He's able to convince you to buy the cucumber from him. Eh. It's like, mm. hey, uh, boy, uh, make sure you have a balanced mm. diet. Uh, <laughs> uh, meat and the rice not enough. Need cucumber. One dollar more, thank you. Yeah. I know. Some, <laughs> so, uh, exactly. Like sometimes some of the apples, you know, the story that they put out, right? I'll be like, huh? Really? People mm. bite this kind of story? Or we're trying to go green? Or, you know, all those kind of things. Huh? Isn't this quite a good way to make money? You know, but... People buy into the story, so I'm pretty amazed the their ability to sell and all that. And now that they have entered the whole like digital ads and all that, right? For the past few years, uh, they are even even stronger in shaping the narrative. There was a period of time they don't do digital ads, you know, or I should say they don't even do much ads for a period of time. Mm. You know, then mm. after I think what well, the iPhone X period, which was a few years back, then they started plowing a lot more money into like YouTube ads and digital ads and, and all those kind of things. And I think that also helped them to shape their narrative in a smarter way. La, rather mm. than just let the market shape itself. Uh, so it's, mm. it's pretty cool. Pretty interesting. Yeah, okay, let's move on. Their debt level. Uh, so it's 69 billion as compared to 74 billion. So there's a slight reduction. Mm. Uh, they're paying it down. They're not taking on more debt. Earnings per share. It's $4.45 versus $3.18. So earnings are increasing per share. You buy, it's nice to see lah. Yeah, yeah, pretty cool, pretty cool. And I think uh, for a lot of listeners, when you look at the debt level, it's not much to be concerned. At least in my view lah, there's not much to be concerned about the debt level for Apple. You know, because mm. if they really wanted to pay down their debt, you know, it's very easy for them to just kind of reduce their investments for a few years, and then you know they will have enough free cash flow to pay down their debt. Right? So it's not that big of a problem. You know, definitely not for every other company. But at least that's my idea. Like, I don't think, you know, some people will be like, oh, the debt level very high. But actually, no, like, they've got a lot of cash like, sitting around. Wait, how much cash mm-hmm. do they have now, currently? Um, Q2 2021, it's a near $70 billion. Yeah. Okay, so in other words, I take back my words. They don't even need to engineer free cash flow. 
<laughs> they can pay off everything now, you know, but they never go debt free. Yeah? So this is a very important learning lesson for a lot of us also. It's not always about going debt free, right? So debt free sounds mm. very interesting, very exciting. Um, mm. But if you could really manage your your finance, fin- manage your debt well um, relative to your investments, then hey, you know, you, you see many good things can happen. Okay, so that's good. Yeah, Apple very healthy financially. Yeah, mm. management. Yeah, management is also interesting uh, discussion, right? So so let's let's go into the whole like Tim Cook. And I, I actually don't really need to talk about Tim Cook. La. Tim Cook was a previous CEO and then now become CEO. Right? It's very clear cut. Mm. This guy mm. was like picked by you know, Steve Jobs and quite naturally picked by Steve Jobs because COO, right? You know, during yeah. during Steve Jobs' times. Um, but yeah, do you have anything specific about Tim Cook that you want to talk about? I think he was the best replacement they could get. Um, yeah. COO... It'd be quite random, because, la, Steve Jobs' death at that point in time. Yeah, but also you needed someone to really understand all the intricate business models that's going mm-hmm. on inside Apple, right? Um, yes, yes. Operations-wise, usually get selected. If not, yes, CFO. Yes. Okay, so um, Tim Cook move away. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody talk too much about him already. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the, the, the underrated or, or the ones that's lesser known, uh, um, they all actually have roles to play inside Apple and it's very specific functions with specific background. Okay, so let's start from EdQ. EdQ is the uh, SVP for Internet Software and Services. So things like your iTunes, your Apple Music, Apple Pay, Maps, Search Ads, right? He joined since 1989. Very long time ago, right? He was the, actually the first one that created Apple Store in 1998. He was also the first that created iTunes and App Store, right? So this guy is like the founding, you would say the founding product manager like that. Yeah, he's got mm. a background in comm science and economics from Duke, uh, but he's been there ever since. So he's also in charge of the same things that he was in charge of. La. So that's nice, right? There's continuity. There's also uh, Craig. Craig is an SVP for software engineering. Um, that means like development of your iOS, your macOS, Siri, um, basically all the OS. La. He worked at Nix. Okay, Nix uh, was actually related to Apple before um, Apple computers. If you read like Steve Jobs' history and all that, you'll come across this company. And he formally joined the Apple only in 2009, but to lead the Mac OS engineering. Then in 2012, then he took on iOS as well. So Craig has a master's in comm science and electrical engineering and computer science from University Berkeley. of California, Berkeley. Yeah. Mm. So, very, very technical people so far. Um, we've also got John. Uh, okay, for the record, I'm not going to pronounce the, the, the surnames. Lah. Just, Gian, you can search her. Gianna Der Gianna Dre. No, no, no. Don't, don't. It's okay. It's okay. okay so, you know, like, Amor butcher Asian names, right? Asian can butcher Amor names. Lah. It's okay. Lah. Let's just give everybody some slack that we are socially <laughs> ignorant about each other's names at this point in time. Let's learn, okay? Yes, continue. Yeah. Okay, so SVP for machine learning and AI strategy, right? So he joined in 2017. Um, he's in charge of core machine learning and Siri technology. So this is the guy that's basically in charge of the whole, like a- anything AI related in Apple products, right? So what was his background last time? Eight years in Google, leading also leading the machine learning research as well as the search teams. So search is very, very important in Google. It's basically their core business. Basically, that's everything. Basically, yeah. that's everything from Google. The, yeah. Whether is it Google or even YouTube. YouTube is an amazing search function. All right, so, mm. you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's the core of Google. Lah, yeah. It's like the, mm. the, the Ling Huan, you know, from the inside. If, if Google don't have search, there will be no Google. Yes. Mm. <laughs> so, this is a guy with uh, practical experience. Okay, so sometimes you see management teams, right? They hire like AI, ML experts, right? But mostly they actually have theoretical background. 
this is very, very different. When you try to execute ML and AI inside organization, right, it's a very, very different skill set. Yeah. So this person, I think, has, has some kind of proven experience. He co-founded a few companies on his own as well uh, to do with AI. Okay. Then uh, we have Greg. Greg is a SVP for Worldwide Marketing. Joined in 1986 as well, so long timer. Um, he was the one that launched the original iPod and the iPhone. Uh, so that, that very grand kind of like entrance or like the kind of um, presentations that they're doing, right? It's this guy, right? And he's still there. And he's still there. Mm. So he's got overall 30 years of a marketing and management experience at Apple. Previously, he was in uh, doing the product marketing portion inside Apple. So also technical background, bachelor's in comm engineering from University of Michigan. Yeah. So they would at least understand the technologies uh, when they actually do the, the, amazing. the, the marketing. Mm. I'm pretty amazed it's all very old people uh. like they've been in the company for a long time not that they're old you know but they, they've been mm. okay, probably old or so but you know they've been mm. in the company for a long time and this is, is it's not easy to keep especially all these guys they are in very yeah. technical and innovative roles it's not easy to yeah. keep them in, in one place you know what I mean all the Celsius people mm. right they always want to go to all these try new things and all that. I, oh, no, I, I, I know that. I, I meant this as in like, what, what's the psyche? Like, what are you thinking, right? Mm. So you, you probably mm. stay in a company if uh, number one, the culture is good. The management is mm. good, right? Uh, maybe the compensation is also good. It's one of the best companies, lah, right? But what I think is that actually they all gel very well together. And mm. that's why they actually can execute across all these years. Lah. Look, it's, it's like a 30 plus year old company already. It's the same set of people that has been there from the start. Yeah. Mm. The only guy that left, left unwillingly. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oops, oops. Sorry. But there, yeah, there, space will, <laughs> there, there will be cases like this. There will be cases. But for the majority mm. of cases, right, in especially the critical roles and where uh, these roles are needed for future growth, right, they have them. Yeah. So let's let's continue. Uh, there's Sabir Khan, uh, SVP for operations. So COO and SVP for operations, the difference is that this guy is in charge uh, solely for the Apple's global supply chain. Yeah, so previously we talked about the R&D side, we also talked about the supply chain optimization. This is the guy. Yeah. So he joined in 1995. Um, previously, he was at uh, GE uh, in the plastics division. But then ever since then, he was at Apple already. So having this person is important because you understand the intricacies of supply chain and how it changes across time. You have people changing in and out, right? Then it's going to be a problem. Yeah. Because yes. relationships matter inside supply chain. Very, very, very important. Yeah. Okay, then we have uh, Jeff Williams. Uh, CEO for the entire worldwide operations. So, because um, Tim Cook is now CEO, right? CEO is Jeff Williams now. Is in charge of the worldwide operations, specifically for customer service and support. Ah, so interesting, right? For a company that is hardware oriented, other than supply chain, they also focus on this customer service portion because the execution of the customer service, right, or the quality level, right, is very important for Apple's strategy. Yeah, but before that, he also led the development for Apple Watch. And he was overseeing engineering teams. So this is a COO, right, with engineering background. Mm. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, but okay, la, I won't expect any less to run Apple. La. I mean, to, to run a, a tech company that is churning all these products. And if you want to be a COO, then good to have engineering background. La. You're not shifting milk or rice, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're shifting... Con leading consumer hardware. So yes, yes. Fair. But he's in charge of customer service, right? So it's really end-to-end. Mm -hmm. -end. From the hardware level, cool. yeah, able to actually create all these experiences and making sure that they meet a certain standard. Um, yeah. Other things about him is that uh, he was in charge of the company health initiatives. So say, mo mostly the wearables portion. Uh, 
So advanced medical research, health and fitness with the watch. Uh, think, think of the Apple Watch as a medical tracker. That, that's what they're going towards. Um, he joined previously in 1998 as the head of worldwide procurement. Yeah, so it's like on the purchasing side of things. I'm not, I'm not sure whether, yeah, yeah it's, it's like multi, multi, quite multi-talented. Uh, previously, okay, this guy can, can be a CEO. One. Mm. He got the capacity to be a CEO. Okay. Mm. So previously, he was at IBM Corporation in operations and engineering roles. Then uh, technology background, mechanical engineering and uh, MBA in Duke. Then mm. we've got uh, the financial side of things, uh, Luca. So SVP and CFO for accounting, business support, financial planning and analysis, treasury, real estate, investor relations, internal audit and tax functions. <laughs> this is actually, I- uh, actually, <laughs> if you think about it, right, it's quite hard to be a CEO and CFO, COO of this company. Uh, because mm-hmm. they are the, there's so many processes, so many things and Wow, dude. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite wild. It's quite wild. Yeah, yeah. You just, you just kind of throw down a whole list of financial processes. So I'm like, hmm. Not easy. Yeah, yeah. not easy. Yeah, th- this guy's name card is extremely long, I think. <laughs> but, uh, he, he, he joined in 2013. Uh, so he started as a VP for finance and corporate control inside Apple. Mm. Um, but previously, uh, accumulator, la, he's got 25 years of uh, experience. So previously, he was the mm. CFO at uh, Xerox. And then uh, previously at Nokia uh, under the, the Nokia Siemens networks. Yeah. Mm. Um, also before Xerox that, is, mm. I think there are a lot of big people that came out of Xerox in, in the tech space, like, especially a lot of guys that deal with hardware, you know, because Xerox for a period of time was like so ahead, right? So, so the, yeah, just interesting to note. Mm-hmm. Mm. And also at uh, General Motors, he was the CFO of all of GM's operations in Europe. So that's 45 countries. Mm. Yeah. GM is huge, huh, by the way. Back then, mm. uh, now not, not mm-hmm. that it's small now, it's just now that other things are getting bigger. But, right. You know, <laughs> last time is, is huge, yes. Just a quick run through, right? They all sound like guys, you know. Like, no uh, ladies on the call. Like, no, you, you know what I mean, right? Like, well, it is engineering. I wouldn't say yeah, that. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. It's, you know, it's, but it's they not stand about the... for. Equality and, and all that, right? It's, wait, wait, okay. So maybe maybe a better question would be, are you concerned? Do, do you care? Because I think some investors, they do care about representation at the top. I think it's, it's, it's not just about representation, but it's a, a lot about thought processes, how things are being thought to and all, right? So um, if you believe in the nature-nurture kind of discussion, then uh, the general idea is that women have a different way of looking at things, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, or at least they have a di- different set of concerns in general, right? So... Are you concerned that at the top tier management is mostly guys? There are no, like, no ladies in the top position? Not really. Um, it's an engineering okay. company. So <laughs> you look at the number of uh, applicants to universities for engineering programs. La. Majority mm-hmm. is male, right? Okay. And then we have a scarcity in talent also. How many mm-hmm. is going to end up inside an engineering company who are female? Very, very low, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. if you're going to force the percentages upwards, you might not actually get the highest quality talent. This is just statistically okay. proven really. Yeah, I'm not like anti, like feminine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stuff, I get it, I get it, I get it. We're, yeah. we're not anti-feminist, but it's just, just, yeah. just something so, to think about, right? Yes. Yeah, so, so that being mm. said, right, if you compare it to other companies who forcefully want the numbers, what are they actually doing? Right, so you have to ask yourself, uh, are they actually getting the best talent for their job? Perfectly fine if the process is uh, very transparent and there's no kind of like gender bias uh, going on. But if it's inside a policy whereby, oh, we must hire this number of people from a certain race, a certain percentage from a certain gender, 
then you might go into some kind of management issues down the road. Not now, but you can mm. see it coming out, say like in three, five years. Yeah, but this one, this one a bit touchy. But yes, yes, I, I think there's, is, a, there's a there's a there's a lot to talk about when it comes to this, you know. Um, but not not in today's podcast. Uh. We can talk about it another another <laughs> podcast talking about like the human psyche and how how organizationals are being built and and all that stuff, right? So so that's another mm. time. But yeah, at least I think uh, we get your case right that one is important is in the company we seek for the best talent and not so much about their profile in terms of like gender, right. race and where do right. they come from. That's not as important in your view of what is a good manager. A good manager must have the right talent for the right job. You know, mm. and when looking at Apple as an engineering company and a supply chain giant, you think that they have the good people to, to continue to make it work. Um, mm. I think that's the base case that I'm hearing. You know, it's not so mm. important about got representation or not. Okay, so, so I think that's a... That's what we can put out there for Apple's management. And I, I think there's no real need for a lot of critique about them because it's a very well-executed company so far. You know, um, after so many years going through so many product line innovation, it's not easy, right? You, you, you create one product and then you, you create another line of product and then you decide to kill this product line, but then your company just keeps, keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. And, you know, and then you know, after that, hardware, no more innovation. Let's do a bit of software and services. And then uh, it became more and more serious. So mm. to go through so many rounds of iteration, I think there's no need to really say whether, you know, this, is this company uh, led by good people or like, you know, able individuals? Uh, I think it's, it's the results tell itself. Lah. But mm. yeah, at least we covered the reality that it is not just a bunch of business people around. There's technical people at the top, which is important because I think... There are also a lot of companies that over time, they start to have more financial and business people at the top. Although they are engineering company and then although they are pharma company, they got no big scientists at the top. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, we talk about it another time, but it's very prevalent <laughs> in certain sectors. Um, as the company grow, then all these big financial bankers and all that, they join the top tier and then they start to look for people that are more like them. And over time, there's less technical core at its management, which um, is not particularly healthy. Lah, right? So mm. for Apple, we've cleared this. They have engineering core, very good people from a technical standpoint. So that's good. Yeah. Mm. And I think for Apple, there's a lot of modes. Lah, you know? Everybody talk about it. <laughs> so yep. do, do you have anything in particular that you want to point out for us? I think branding is the number one thing. So no matter what, the customer satisfaction is very high. Right? There's also like this mm. kind of quality guaranteed um, shine to Apple, right? It just works. Things just work. There's no kind of problems that you actually face, whether you bring Apple overseas and things like that. And wherever you go, people still say, oh, yeah, wow, Apple, wow, premium brand, right? Must have some kind of like luxury level uh, associated to it, right? And with this, right, comes a few advantages that Apple can do. Whenever they release a new kind of product, it's okay for people to just pay slightly more. Okay, let's say like even changing USB to USB-C, right? People are like, ah, okay, but it's Apple, I'll just make do. I'm willing to adapt my own way of living with it, right? When actually, yeah, like, it's, it's Apple, Apple hides the wall. Apple make me have so many different kind of wires. Mm. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah, but yes, yes. I, I, I get what you're saying. You know, just because it's Apple, I'll be like, okay, law, Apple say like that, like that, law, you know, just use all. Mm. And it changes consumer behaviors pretty well. And that has also a powerful effect, changing consumer behavior. Because they have established the demand that people are still willing to go ahead with whatever they suggest through their hardware, right? That gives them a lot of negotiating power to the suppliers, right? 
and forcing them to follow Apple's designs. So in the future, right, everything is going to be like USB-C or in the future, like everything is going to be like wireless charging. I don't care whatever else designs that Samsung or Huawei gives. We are not going to follow that. You either follow us or you're not going to get customers. I'm going to go elsewhere. Yeah. So that is also a very big curveball to the rest of the suppliers. Uh. You can't take the easy way out. You have to build things of quality. So you either meet the same quality standard as Apple or we're going to find another supplier. It's just like that. Yeah. So it's a very good negotiating power. It's a very good brand power in terms of pricing. Another thing I think would be their supply chain. It's not easy to build an Apple overnight for obvious reasons. right? It's a lot of infrastructure. It's a lot of R&D. It's a lot more than just like just outsource your development of your uh, like little semicon parts, manufacture a phone, and just say that oh, it's a sample, right? It doesn't work like that. So, it cannot lah. Let's start a mango. Yeah. Let's start a mango. Asian brand, yeah. you know. <laughs> Invest in the next new fruit company. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's yes, a lot yes, more I, than I, that. Yeah. I know. Uh, I know. I mean, beyond Apple, I think it's a good thing to recognize why Google bought Motorola or why Fitbit was sold, or GoPro was sold, although their business was shit, you know? So, like, mm. their, their business came to a point where it is, like, wah, jala already, you know? Like, like, you look at their financials, you know, they're not going to make make it far. Right. You know, but all these big companies, big tech companies, they still buy out these kind of companies um, for a few reasons. Like one thing is definitely for their tech transfers and to kind of use mm. it as a basis to then hop on further. And then the other thing is also for the supply chain because a lot of these kind mm. of supply chains, they have been optimized over time. And if you're a new player, you come in, yeah, you can you can do from scratch, right? Which is, I think at, at some point in time for a lot of the bigger companies, when they look at acquisition, it's not so much of, uh, is this business profitable and, and all that, you know, because there's that kind of investor, yes, but for a lot of businesses um, like Apple, like Google, all these guys that run the whole thing as a business and not so much as a fund, they do want to kind of look at these kind of things when they acquire, you know, supply chain, mm. tech transfer, and all those things, they matter. Lah, right? Mm. So with that, Apple is definitely the leader in the complexity of supply chain. Right? Mm-hmm. One, one of the most complex already. So yeah, that's uh, something to recognize. So so the special thing about Apple's mode, right, is that this mode, right, can eat other people. And... So what do I mean by that? <laughs> so Other people's <laughs> mode is only protect themselves. <laughs> Yeah. This mode is drowning other castle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A- a- example, right? Like, like say, like. Sp- 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 <laughs> Sorry, I got I got this animation in my head. I I cannot run away from this thing. You know, it's like this castle in the middle. Then the mode goes yeah. so big, right? The villagers on the side all fall into the mode. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yes. Please continue. <laughs> okay, so so we brought up Spotify a few times, right? I think I think this one mm. is a really real risk to to Spotify, lah. Apple Music is just seen as one of the like really ancillary services of uh, their revenue portion, right? Um, it's just seen as a way to just increase the experience of users. And that forms the mode for Apple. But anytime if they just decide, right, just flip a switch, spend, let's say, 5 billion of what they have every year into acquiring podcasts, right? Podcast after podcast is taking away market share from Netflix, from Amazon Prime, from Spotify. Please call us, by the way. Please call us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 They might, they might, uh, when we speak so well of them already. So, <laughs> it's, it's just getting more powerful. Yeah. This mode is, is really so strong, right? That is, this, it's got its own flywheel effect. So, flywheel is when you have this, um, usually for startups, uh, but uh, whichever things that they do, it just grows stronger and stronger in terms of growing their mode, but as well as their competitive advantage. Yeah. 
So it could be your data, it could be like, let's say your um, model gets more powerful, your influence, like for Facebook, there's a network effect. These are all flywheels. The more that you have, the stronger that you get. So mm. it, it will become so strong whereby, well, it just becomes one small portion of the revenue. La, but to others, it's like their core business. It is so defensible already, right, that it, other companies will have to start spending more money to actually keep up with what Apple is doing. Right? That in itself already, they would, it's like spend until they die. And then when the companies go down, then Apple just take whatever market share that they left la, as a void. Yeah. Crazy, this mode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so that's good. I think overall Apple, um, today we've, we've talked a lot about why it's so good and all, right, as a company. And mm. I, don't, I honestly think they don't need us to critique, la, right? But today's discussion was a lot more um, trying to pick up some of the learning points as to how do you evaluate what people will call an A-star company. La, huh? They're really quite good, la, you know, mm. by market standards, you know, all, all the practices and all that. So mm. to, to sum up today, do you have any um, risk factors that you think people should... I, I, I cannot think of much. La. Maybe, maybe valuation. Is valuation a problem, you know, uh, in today's price because they are already past the big T, right? Can they continue to... 2T, 5T, 10T, you know, uh, will trillion dollar market cap keep growing or what are some of the risk factors as an investor when we're looking at uh, Apple? I think valuations are still okay. So they've been buying back their stock, which is a good thing. Um, whichever price they deem as fit, they think that anything beyond below that is just undervalued already. Lah. And you think in terms of, say, like uh, current valuation, right? Um, Apple isn't priced that way, it seems. So it's more like the future growth. But it, it doesn't take that long to reach to that level of growth, right? That is needed to actually sustain the current prices. Uh. So that's one. Um, for the risk, yes. So what is needed to actually sustain that growth rate, right? It's not so much about what they need to do for their future plans. It's about maintaining the current way that they're operating or the way they're running the business. So increase fatter margins, right? Uh, continue with the R&D with their current products. Is fine. That sustains the existing growth rates. But the future is a little bit uncertain about who takes charge of the next hardware platform. It could be wearables, it could be AR, VR, it could be spectacles. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, mm, mm. So there's a I lot of different players that's trying charge. to do this. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of players in this. Uh, Google, Samsung, Microsoft, Amazon, um, smaller players, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Tesla. Mm. Uh, everyone's trying to go into this like new device and new space. And the new device or new space will have different kinds of use cases. How the product is being built, what features there are, what other kinds of supporting um, ecosystems around this. These are all very new. They haven't even started yet. But a lot of R&D is going to it to just try and get it into a certain form factor that people will use. Yeah. So we've seen some like failure cases, uh, say like Snap Spectacles. Right, the Snapchat one, <laughs> and then um, mm. there's uh, Hololens. That one's to sell for that one's that one's for selling during the the 10k one. Try to get mm. try to get try to get people to hype out about IPO and everything. A rubbish yeah. one. The whole company has never done any hardware ever. Then before listing, they say, "Oh, that's our next plan." A rubbish. But anyway, mm. <laughs> let's continue. Mm. And then there's uh the Hololens and Magic Leap by the Microsoft and Facebook. So they are all trying to make it into something that consumers can use. Right, but used for what is unknown. Um, there's also the enterprise portion of this, so they are selling this to businesses, say as a training tool, or even as uh, something that can help uh, de-risk some of the risky kinds of uh, operations. Uh. say like oil and gas drilling, you don't need to go down. Uh, you can already just wear one of these and then uh, operate the machine, things like that. Mm. Um, 
Healthcare is another one, uh, specifically for the wearables. So Apple is putting s- uh, some amount of effort la, into, into going into the healthcare space. So think of the wearables as a point of um, first sensor. The first sensor that the, the, any healthcare organization right, can uh, go to right, for all the vitals of a human. Um, there's risk in that, of course. Uh, you can R&D as much as you want, but there might be some regulation involved. We say like, nope, no data is going into um, private companies even though it's like very secure and all these kind of things. It might work out for some countries which are more lax in the regulation, but uh, again, this is some of the risks. Uh. And them being this big, right, they could be pulled in into um, anti-monopoly kind of um, situations, which they <laughs> not already cool, are. Uh, they are. They are, they are. Yeah. <laughs> we are seeing some high-profile ones coming uh, along. Not, yes. not, 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 not just in US, but it could be worldwide. Mm. Right? Like, say like G7, they already, at, at this point in time, they've already um, confirmed that they will start to think of ways to tax the large big tech, uh, big tech companies, mm. right? Um, Apple being one of them because they are just, well, not paying taxes, la, that they, they, they are, <laughs> but they're generating so much profit, right? So um, this is another risk that uh, is, is uh, possible uh, down the short to midterm. So mm. that has uh, the biggest impact. La, yeah. Other than that, I think it's um, regulation, but on the walled garden model. Right, so mm. for some reason, certain countries also uh, may want to regulate it or enforce it, um, enforce what they deem as anti-monopolistic behavior. So this will cut out certain kinds of um, revenue from certain geographic regions, lah. Yeah, but that being said, then Facebook and Google will also get affected, right? Yeah, yeah, they are not they are not alone, nah. But they are not alone mm. does not mean these guys will not get affected. Mm-hmm. So yes, okay, okay. I think I think we we've done a pretty good coverage of Apple in general. Um, mm. on, I know it's very positive, like, I mean, some of the other coverage for other company very negative. Like, this one is like very positive, you know. But mm. at the core, you gotta ask yourself that you know. Okay, I think at the core, you gotta recognize that Apple is probably not gonna give you your your two x five x in the next like three years or two years kind of investments, right? It's, it's, it has gone to a level where it's very much a dominant player in its game. Um, and for it to 2x its market cap, 3x its market cap, right? It's going to take time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's not so easy. La. Like 1 million to 2 million compared to 1 trillion to 2 trillion, you know, it's a different joke. La. So it's a different thing altogether. So for everybody that is investing in Apple or considering investing in Apple, you have to be very cognizant about this. And it's not unique to Apple. There are many other big dominant guys, you know, guys like Visa, or Amazon may be a bit questionable because Amazon is like in all these other different things, you know, but for companies like Nike, Starbucks, Visa, you know, they're all very big in their space already. They're innovating within their space. They're doing very well. Operationally, there's no big qualms about it. You know, they're all doing very good from management, modes, all this stuff. Apple also, uh, but when investing in it, you got to recognize that it's not going to be your 10-bagger, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, mm. it's not going to, make you that kind of 10, 20, 20, 20x, you know, maybe not even in your lifetime, mm. but you will probably be able to consistently perform align with the market, maybe give a little bit of alpha because they're, they're doing well fundamentally from a business standpoint. Uh, but yeah, there's something to be aware of. I don't need to be too hyped about it, you know, like, uh, but in general, good business, good management, and I think good opportunities where they are at. La. So yes, thank you. Any last things you want to add for our listeners today? Whether you want to buy the latest version of iPhone or 10 shares of Apple, 
I <laughs> different, different. Cannot compare like that. But yes, it's a whole different discussion. Talk about personal utility, short-term gratification, and all those things. You know, these are different measurement. But yes, at the core, I think Apple is a good company. And um, yeah, you can. I'm mean, not recommending lah, but I do own Apple. Okay, by the way, uh, discreet, uh, open for what do you call that? Disclaimer, disclaimer. I'm long Apple. Yes. Same, same, so, same. Yeah. Okay, so yes. Thank you guys. See ya. Take care. Woo! Hey, Coconut. So I hope you learned something useful today and definitely recognize that investing is a personal decision. We're not giving you any recommendations here, but I'm always happy to geek out with you about different interesting companies and trends for the future. This series has a lot more depth and terms, so if you have any questions for us, do join our community telegram group or DM us on our socials. Link is in the description. If you love us and want to help us grow, definitely share the podcast with your friends and on your socials. And to stay tuned with what is happening in the markets and in the TFC network, do sign up for our weekly newsletter at thefinancialcoconut.com. With that, I hope you have a great day ahead and may you improve to become a confident, insightful and disciplined investor, ultimately creating the life you love while managing your finances well. See ya next week.